We'll begin the service. We'll sing today number 182. Is thy heart right with God? Number 182. <laughs> Thank you. 
I believe that's a very good question for each one of us to ask ourselves this morning, right in the beginning of this service. But just listening to the words, and just as I was sitting here, just thinking this morning before the service and looking and seeing that here was a group of people, several hundred people here this morning, and each and every one has an immortal soul. And is their heart right, each and every one of us, today, that is here? Is thy heart right with God? That you have eternal life in that body, in that spiritual soul that is there. And he says there, one of the places there, he says, does Jesus rule in the temple within? And he's talking about this temple, this body. Is he the one that is ruling in your life today? Is he the one that you have the proper faith in? And is it his spirit that is conducting the works in your life? Is your heart right with God? Is the question that should be on each and every one of us's mind today and should be on our mind constantly throughout the week. Is my heart right with God? Is my thinking right with Him? Is my the things that I do, the things that I present before others, the, the words that I say, is my heart right? Are each and every one of these things right in the sight of God? That's a big question. And it's the only way that that can be is having that new birth that we have talked about constantly here lately, seems like. But that's the only way that our heart can be right with God and have full faith in Jesus Christ our Lord that what He has promised and what God has done through Him, He'll be able to do through you and through in, in us what he's done through him, he will be able to do in you and in me. Let's put it that way. Because he lived, we can live also. Are all thy powers under Jesus' control? Is all of your life, all the things that you do, is it the power of God, the power of Jesus, that is in your life, that has it under control today. The power of God available to each and every one of us that we can see victory and we can say no to Satan and we can resist him in every situation 
and we can be at one. Let's keep those things in mind, and let's be, as he says, and as we have talked about a lot lately, let's be striving to abide with him. Let's be striving to be at one with Jesus Christ and have our heart, and I'm talking about that spiritual part, right in the sight of God. And I know that that is available to each and every one of us. It's God's will. But if you may, are you making that choice? Have you made that choice? And are you willing to live by it? Let's keep that in mind as we begin and as we go through the service today. And let's be at one with him. I believe today I'd like to, to read some. And James, start off there. James has a lot to say about that faith and how that we should be encouraged in it and how that we should have that faith in him. And if we have the proper faith, that's how salvation begins in our life. It's having faith that Jesus Christ can save us from our sins and then repenting of our sins and being baptized, and being baptized with that Spirit of the Holy Ghost. And then those works is what's going to be within us at that time. And I want to read some about what James had and, and some of the things that he, the examples that he gave, and let's talk about them this morning. And let's just see how that his work, what James was saying, follows the works of Jesus Christ and all the way on back into almost to the beginning of time there. But we'll start reading today. Let's start there at the first chapter of James, and we'll start just a few verses there. Let's start at the 21st verse of the first chapter of James. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. That's what James was telling us. Is, is get these things, lay apart, get away from all of sin. And there's only one way that we can do that. Is that's first of all repenting of our sins and receiving that new spirit. But then he goes on and he says, And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your words, your soul. The engrafted word. Has that new birth, has that new spirit been grafted into this body that you have, into that soul? That's what he's talking about that receive with meekness, knowing that it is not anything that you have done that you're able to receive that. It's not anything that I have done except ask and believe and put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is how we can become and have that engrafted Word right within our soul so that then we are able to have our soul saved from eternal hell. And that's not a hard job, my friends. That's just making a choice 
of either staying and living in sin or either receiving, asking, repenting, and having faith in, and receiving that new birth. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Doers of the word. Be ye doers of the word. What does that mean for us this morning? It means hear his word and then follow through with whatever it might be. And however, it goes right back to where we've talked about numerous times recently there in, in Matthew of what he said, you hear my words and you do them. You're building upon that rock. You're building upon Jesus Christ. You hear James is saying the same thing. But be ye doers of the word. Hear the word of Jesus Christ. Hear his message. And then follow through with it in our life. And he says, and not hearers only. What does he hear? What did Christ say about that? He said, he that hears my word and does it not is building his house upon the sand. And it will fall. It will not abide. And James is basically saying the same thing. He says, be a doer, not hearers only deceiving your own selves. If all we want to do is hear it and, and go around and not follow through, not listen to it, not let that sink down in our heart, not let it be there and us give it good ground and bring forth fruit, all we're doing is just hearing the Word. And we can do that. You can come out here every week we can hear the Word, and then we can go right back out into a sinful lifestyle and not following the things. It says not letting that engrafted Word in your soul direct you in everything as we just talked about. Is your heart right with God? If it is, it will be what is directing us. If you are a doer of the Word and not a hearer only, that is the Spirit of the Holy Ghost doing those works within you. It's not yours. For if any of you, if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his, goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And if that's the truth, if we just hear the Word and then we go out and we don't listen to it, we don't follow that Word, we're no different than if somebody, you looked in a mirror and you went away and you just forgot about what even you looked at. You heard the Word. You did not want to put it into your heart. You didn't want it in your heart. You didn't want it in your mind. And you just go away and you forget the Word. That's no different than the man that the, the, the sower was sowing the seed and it fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and took it away immediately. And that's what he talks about. He says there, you hear the word and you let Satan come in and take it out of your mind immediately and it brings forth no fruit. Bread does nothing good for you and for us. And that's what he's talking about here. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. When you've heard the word, the opportunity to have eternal life and you go away and you just forget about it and you don't even think about it anymore until maybe the next week and you come back and say, well, it's time for me to go to church today. I'll go and I'll sit there and I'll listen to the Word, but then I get up and I don't let it grow. I don't hear it. I'm not a doer of the Word. 
Let's don't any of us be in there. James was just warning us about these things. And that's what I want to do today is just warn us about it and be one that hears the Word and is a doer of the Word. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This is promises coming from God through James here. But whosoever, whoso, looketh into the perfect law of liberty, who listens to that law of grace, who hears the word coming from Jesus Christ, and continues therein. We hear the word, we do it, we continue in it, he says, all the way until the end. He being not a forgetful hearer, he hears the word and he wants to follow it. He wants to live by it because he knows there is great reward in that. Just as the psalm says, he talks about the statues of the Lord, the law of the Lord, and all of these things of how good that it is. And he says... In these things there is great warning in them. And he also says in doing them there is great reward. And that's the same thing as what he's talking about here. That whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Do we want a blessing from God? I'd say every one of us, I know that's what we would all want to be, blessed by God instead of being cursed by Him and cast away. Let's hear His Word. Let's follow it. Put His, put our faith and trust in Him. If any man among you seemeth to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. And again, James was very plain and bold in the things that he said. He just brought it very straightforward to the people's attention that he was writing to. And I want us to listen to it that way today. He says, if any man among you seem to be religious, and we've seen those things, we've seen very much that in our life there. You can see someone that may, on the outward appearance there, just what he may seem religious, but, Follow him through. He says, but he bridles not his tongue. And he goes on in other places and he tells all about that tongue and what it is and how it is a little fire that can be just a spark. That tongue is a wicked and evil member in our body. And we cannot control it, he says. But God can control it. That spirit that he's talking about here can control it and will control it. He says, if we believe, if you see somebody who claims to be a religious person, but he has no power over that tongue, something is wrong. He deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. All he's doing is just trying to go out here and make a show in himself. But he's not willing to put it all into the hands of Jesus Christ. He's not willing to let God and Jesus have control of that tongue. He says it's a little spark. That tongue can set on fire the world. Think about these things. Just a little small spark sometimes 
can create a tremendous fire. We see and we hear about wildfires now. We've heard about them over the years out in the western part of the United States and how it might start with just a little small spark or a small fire and consume thousands and thousands and thousands of acres and people's lives and people's homes that started out with just something very small. And he says that tongue can do the same thing. That tongue can start out just a very small, deceitful words that is being spoken and deceive and destroy many people. So let's put our faith and trust in Him and let's don't let those things be in our life. And let's have a religious, let's have a righteous spirit within us. Not just something, some religion that we're following, but let's have a righteous spirit within us and not letting our heart be deceived by Satan. Pure religion, and now he's going to go on and he's going to talk about that. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And then he comes on and he tells us some of the things there that a, a righteous person will be involved in, and, and especially in those days, there was a lot of children there, and let's go and read, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That last part there is something that we all need to be looking right at our own self and see. Are we, is our spirit spotted with the things of this world? Are we letting that take too much interest and in too much of our time, the things of this world, to keep himself unspotted? from the world. Keep that in mind as we go through. Where is our interest? Is my heart right with God? Are you using His power to cleanse that soul? It can be made white by the blood of the Lamb. And that's what we need to all, each and every one of us, be looking for today, is letting that be made white. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect to persons. And now he goes in and he's starting to tell us some ways of how he would have for us to live and what we should do, how we should have certain respect and stuff. He says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory with respect to persons. And he says, Now if you have that spirit, and now let's go on and let's read and see what he was talking about there, when he was saying there, with respect to persons, have not those things. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. And say unto him, Set thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. 
Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Listen to what he was saying. He said, okay, he says, now. And we can see, look around in our life today. He says, now, there comes unto you and someone in all kind of nice, fancy clothes with all kind of jewelry and whatever, and they've really got this body decked out. And you look at them and you, you, then someone else comes in that maybe is not dressed and that might matter. But you show more respect and you look upon this man that was all dressed up and everything and you say, here, you come up here and you sit here, but you that are not there, you go back to the back and sit down. He said, don't have respect for just the way that people are dressed and whatever. Now, I believe that we ought to all dress properly. And we ought to all be neat and clean. And when we come out to dress in a way that would be pleasing to the Lord, I know that there are differences in people. And I am not here and I want to be exactly what he says here is to not judge someone on how they are dressed. I don't want to do that at all. But let's all be sure that what we're doing is that we are letting the Lord direct us in how we dress and what we do and what we say. But don't just because someone dresses a certain way, don't put them up higher than someone or put someone else down lower is what he said. Just because of the way they dress. But we should be led by the Lord that he is the one that is showing us how we dress. Not just when we come out here, but wherever we go. It doesn't matter where you go. Let him be the one that is showing you how you dress and what you do. Are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? And look around, look back at what Christ was doing when he was here upon the earth. Who was following him? Who was, had a desire to want to know more about him? Who did he choose to be his disciples and his students there that he was working with, teaching them? He chose, it appears, that he chose a very low end of the social people in that day. He came that way himself. He didn't come in the glory and all the pomp and ceremony of a king in that, that would have been in that day. He came a very low route. And that's where we need to be looking for today, our own individual self. But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before judgment seats? Is that not what takes place today, look around throughout the world today. There's a lot of people when they get, they're rich and they have power and everything and they want to have power and authority over others. And it's just as he was talking about there, they want to oppress you and they want to draw you before judgment seats because of the power that they might have. Others that are lower 
and does not have all that and does not have and understand have the power they may not have that way, that mind at all and this is Christ was or James was just pointing out here be careful just how you look upon people and be ready to accept them in whatever way the Lord says accept them in Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. And that, he says in another place, he says, Christ said, he says that was the second most important law. The first was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, to love thy neighbor as thyself. And then this is what he's talking about. James is just reinforcing that. If you love the royal law, uh, if you fulfill, fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. Think about that. If you have love for your neighbor just as you had yourself, would there be anything that you would be doing against your neighbor. Would you want to take what he has? No. Would you want to harm him? Because no, you wouldn't want to harm yourself if you loved him in the same way. The same way it goes back to every single thing, basically, is the love that we might have, that we might be able to love Jesus Christ and God the Father with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then we will love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Listen carefully. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin. He makes it just very plain and clear. If you have respect to persons in a, in a way that he's just gone over here and not look at all men as equal, and all men that they are equal to be able to receive the word of God, whoever they might be, he says you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Makes it plain and clear about that. says we cannot go out here and say, just listen to what he says. And he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. Says you might say, I'm not going to do such and such, but if you go and do something else, and that's the thing that we need to be looking at today. You might be looking over here at somebody else and say, I'm not living in that type of sin, but then what are we living in over here? We may not look upon it nearly as somebody else's sin, but if it's sin, it's still what he's saying. It does not matter what it is. If it's sin, it's sin. And we shouldn't go over here and look at somebody else and condemn them, but then we're living in a way that we are not living the way we should be ourselves. If, if thou 
Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. How do you want to be judged? For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. What shall we do? What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? What does it profit a man? Now listen carefully. He's gone over all these things and he says, He shall have judgment without mercy. If we don't follow him, if we just go out here and we say well, we're not involved in this sin, but then look in our life and we've got other things over here. If we judge others according to ourselves, not judging, righteous judging, not looking at whether or not the Spirit is there. But we're judging them by what we think is righteous. He says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoiceth against judgment. And he shall... What doth it profit, my brother, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? What doth it profit you? Now let's go on and let's listen to what James had to say about that. Because I know that faith is where we've got to start. We've got to have faith in Christ Jesus, and repent of our sins to be able then to receive that new birth. What does it profit, my brother? No, a man say, have faith and have not works. Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? I want you to think about very carefully what he said. He says, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, think about that. They don't have the proper attire to wear. They're cold. They don't have the food to eat. They're hungry. And they come to you. And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things. You just tell them, Be, be warmed and filled. And you don't give them anything to help them to overcome that cold or help them to overcome that hunger? The things that are needful to the body, do you think they're going to be warm? Do you think they're going to be filled? They're not going to be hungry? So if I just come out here and tell you uh, I have faith in Jesus Christ, 
But that's all I can do. That's all I can say. The way I live my life and the way I talk and the things that I say and do shows that I don't really have faith in Him. What does it do? Or I look around and I tell you I don't have to have those works. And that's what he was really saying. He says there's people who say, I don't have to have any works. All I've got to do is say I have faith in Jesus Christ. And I'll be saved. And I believe that. I believe that, yes, that's the beginning. It's faith in Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins. And yes, you can have eternal life. But there comes along something else that, that James is talking about then. The works of the Spirit within you. And having the proper faith and that new birth, it will, that Spirit will bring forth the works that he's talking about here. Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And that's just very plain and clear. Very plain, very clear of what's going on here. Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And just look at what he's talking about. He said, yes. You believe there's one God? You believe that that's all that you have to do is just say I have faith in him and I believe? He said, the devils do the same thing. He says they tremble and they quake and they believe that God is God. But will thou, O vain man, but will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not. Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And I want us to all understand that. What he's talking about. There's two kinds of works. There's works that comes from me or comes from you. And there are works that comes from the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. And that's what he's talking about right here, that the body without the Spirit is dead. This body without that Spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. Faith without the works of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost within you is dead. There's nothing there, he says. Understand that I'm not talking about your works or my works. I'm talking about the works of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost within you because you have faith in Jesus Christ 
that He can save you and that He, by your repenting of His sins, you understand that you can receive of that Spirit and now you can let those, that Spirit do the proper works within you. Do you understand what He's talking about? I want you to go back. Let's just go. And he, he talked there about Abraham and what took place there. Let's go to, to Genesis, the 22nd chapter of Genesis, and let's just read a little bit of what actually took place there so we can see and know and understand what all happened in that day. A lot of times we can read through these things, and a lot of times... Some people may not even know what he's talking about here. They may not have even ever read what took place there. But let's see what was actually happening there. The 22nd chapter of Genesis, first verse. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. He had ears to hear. He understood. He had had communications with God before, and he knew now that he could have those in, that he could communicate with him. And he says, "Behold, here I am." And he said, "Take now thine son, thy, thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Morah." and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. wonder what was going through Abraham's mind about this time. His son, a young man, and God telling him, he says, take him and offer him for a burn offering. And Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burn offering and rose and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, son, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham had not told him. He just was going to be subject to what God was showing him what to do. He was subject to him. He was following that. Because he had faith of what God had already promised him. He had faith that God would follow through with that. God had already told him that of the seed of this young man would be as the stars in the sky, the sand of the sea. There would be millions of people come from, the, from the, this man's lineage. And he had full faith 
Abraham did that that was going to happen. But he also had full faith that God was the one that was talking to him and telling him what he must do. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And I believe here that, first of all, that Isaac was a, an obedient son. I don't believe that he... Well, he probably did have some understanding about what was taking place here. His father had bound him. He had laid him there upon the altar, on the wood. This was taking a tremendous amount of faith. And there was a tremendous amount of works that was following him. But the only way, the only way that Abraham could do what he was doing was his faith was so great. And he knew he had to follow what God was asking him to do. He was letting his faith and his works work together. And let's go on and let's read and see what took place. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Visualize these things in your mind, what was about to happen. And the angel of the Lord called out to him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Again, he could hear the word of God. He had heard what God had told him in the very beginning. He called him and he said, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. God had been leading him for these three days. God had shown him the place where he said, build this altar. God had gave him the power to overcome the flesh. Doesn't matter how bad you want something, how bad you think that you would desire it, Listen to the Word. And that's what... I know that Abraham had a desire to not... Go, the flesh was desiring not to go through with this. But he had heard what God said. And he knew that God would raise him up out of the ashes if it was necessary because he had promised made a promise to him. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything to him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. I know that thou fearest God. And what is in our mind today? Does our works show that? 
We can say we've got faith. But is our works showing that we want to follow Him, that we have a fear that if we don't follow Him, things will not work out for us? And that was what Abraham did. He says, I know, and God was saying, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a lamb caught in the thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the lamb and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehoah-Jared, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. You see the power of what faith and the works. Abraham could have said, God has told me, and I have faith that he said that by this son, there's going to be many people born. I've got faith in that. I'm not going to go and follow what he said do. I'm not going to do those things. I believe God would have intervened in something. But Abraham knew what God had promised him in the beginning. He promised him that son in an old age. And he had told him what was going to happen with that son. And Abraham heard the word. He had faith. And his works showed what his faith was. Let's turn over into Joshua. This will be in the second chapter of Joshua. He also talked there about Rahab the harlot and what she did when the spies came into the town there to spy out Jericho. We'll start there at the very first verse. Let's start reading at the 21st verse, not the first verse. The 21st verse. I'm sorry, I was right at the first verse of the second chapter. First verse of the second chapter. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Sittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into the harlot's, to an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in feather tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come in to search out the company, the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I, was, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark, 
that the men went out, whether, whether the men went, I know not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. Now I want you to tell, listen there what was taking place. These men went into this home there. They had gone in to spy out the country there. Joshua had sent them there. The king, the people had seen some of them, and they knew who these men were. They were strangers. They knew something about the children of Israel there. They knew what had taken place with other kingdoms. And listen, we'll go on and read of what, was, what took place. This woman knew that also, and she protected them. I believe that the Lord was working with her there, and she protected the two men that went in there as spies to go back and to tell what the city was and what it was like. The king asked her certain things, and she told him stuff to protect the people of God. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate when it was dark that the men went out. Whether the men went, I walked not. Pursue after them quickly, for you shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the flax, stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. They were trying to make sure that if these men were still in there, we're going to find them. And they shut the gate. As soon as they sent the people out, some soldiers or something, to go out to try to overtake these two spies and bring them back. But she had already brought them up on the roof of the house and hid them with the flax, stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And before they had laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. Before they went to sleep that night, Rahab comes upon the roof. And she said unto the men, listen to what she had to say, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. God had promised that he was going to go in with them. He would take Joshua and the children of Israel, and they would be able to destroy all the inhabitants of that land because they were pagan, they were unbelievers. He would destroy it and give it to his people. For we have heard how that the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Said so we've heard all about these things. We know what God has and will do for you, for you, you people. We know those things. How he destroyed other kings. And as soon as we had heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. They could see that this was happening, going to happen. 
but they didn't know what to do about it. But I believe that here, this woman was able to know something. She was able to know that God, she said that the Lord had given you the land. She knew that. And she was hoping that they would be able to do something that would help her and to save her. There remains no more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God of heaven and above and in earth beneath. She was acknowledging that the God that the Israelites were serving was the God of all gods. He was the God of this earth, the God of the universe. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token. She asked them, she said, I have shown to you kindness. I did not turn you over to the king. And now I am asking for you to show kindness unto me and to my Father's house. And that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brother and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours. If you utter not this our business. And again, look what he had, look what she, the men made a pact with her. He said, Okay. Our lives for you, if you do not go out and turn us over to them or tell them, tell the authorities even what we have done, why, what our business was in coming here. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. The Lord working here with the spies with his people there, the children of Israel, and with this harlot there, Rahab. Then she let them down by a cord through the window from her house, which was upon the town wall, and she dwelt and and she dwelled upon the wall. She let them down, kind of like what they did with Paul. She her house was there; it was built on the wall there that surrounded the city. So she let them down. She had a rope, a cord, she says. says, And she let them down. And they did not have to go through the gate. And they were able to escape and go back. And, they, and she dwelled upon the house, on the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned. And afterward may go may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's house home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever 
shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street. His blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless from whosoever shall be with thee in this house. His blood shall be on our head if any man, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, According unto your words, be it unto you. Be it, uh, be, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. I want you to look and think about this, of, of what took place. First of all, she let them down. She knew something about God and about the power. She had seen that, and she believed what was going to take place. She helped the people. They made an agreement together. But there was something that she had to do for that to work. There was two things. She had to be quiet about what was taking place, about what was, why they had come there. And she had to take that scarlet, that red rope, cord, thread, whatever it might have said that she let it down, let them down by it. So it must have been a very strong cord or rope. It calls it all three of those in the scriptures there. But immediately when they left, I want you to think and see what she did. She made that pact with them. And it says, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. And she bound the scarlet line in the window. She put it in there, I believe, immediately. She bound it. She made it so that it would be there, it would stay there, and that they would be able to see, and the angel of God, I look upon it, would protect that house, and that would not fall down as the rest of the wall did all the way around Jericho. The wall fell down, and the people just walked in and destroyed everything, except the people that were right there in that house. And they went and came into the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers had returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way and found they not. Found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly, the Lord hath delivered us from the hands of all the land. For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. Do you see there that there was works that was going on? And if you go on and you read, we'll just read a few verses here. And Joshua I believe it's in the 6th chapter. Verse 
starting in about the 20, 20th verse. So the people started the 19th, but all the silver and gold and vessels and brass of iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasure of the Lord. So the people shouted with a priest blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass, and with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she had, as you, as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab and her father, and her mother, and all the brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred, and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron, did they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab alive, and her father and household, and all that she had, and she dwelled in Israel even unto this day. And because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho, if she had not put that scarlet cord into the window, she would have been destroyed. If she had gone out and proclaimed to the king and to others what the spies had been there for, they would have been destroyed. She had faith that God would protect her if she did what he said. And I have faith today that God will protect each and every one of us if we follow through with what he asked us to do today. With his spirit doing that work within us, not your works or mine, but the spirit of the Holy Ghost, what that will do within us, that's what we can have today. Let's turn over to Matthew. I'd like to read just a few verses in a couple of places in Matthew. Starting there at the 21st chapter of Matthew. 21st verse. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. We just talked about Faith and what James was saying there, what he said, we had to have faith and we had to have our works that went along with it. We just read the stories about what the two of the characters that he brought up to show the faith and the works there going together. And this is words of Jesus Christ of what he says there as the faith that we must have 
and that we must believe then that we will be able to receive what we ask for. Rahab believed that if she did the things that she would be saved there from the wrath of the children of Israel. Abraham believed, he had faith, that if he followed through with whatever God asked him to do, God would raise Isaac up out of the ashes if it was necessary. He followed through, he had faith, and he believed that he had that it would all work out. Every bit of it, he had faith that it would work. He says, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, I don't believe either one of those people were doubting, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and it shall be cast into the sea. It shall be done. That's tremendous faith. And friends, we need to examine and let our faith be stronger and stronger and stronger in Jesus Christ and God the Father. Let's turn back there to the 17th chapter of Matthew. The 20th verse. And Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence from yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now just what was he saying there? He says, Because of your unbelief, you couldn't perform that miracle. But then he goes on and he, he tells them how you can be able to do those things. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith of a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence from yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Here he, he said the same things, basically in two different places there. Let's turn on back to another place here in Matthew, in the ninth chapter and see what he had to say there about, about faith. Starting at the 27th verse, the ninth chapter. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Two blind men that could not see, had no vision. But they had heard about Jesus Christ. And they had faith in Him. And they were crying out to Him, Thou Son of David, have mercy on us. And when He was coming to the house, the blind men came, came to Him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto Him, Yea, Lord. Listen, do you believe today that He is able to save you? Let's say, yes, Lord, I believe that He is able to save me. And He's able to save you. They said to Him, yea, Lord. Then touched He their eyes, saying, according to your faith be it unto you. And what took place? According to your faith. And their eyes were opened. 
And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Jesus gave them a commandment. Even after they, he had given them their sight, but they did not follow on what he had asked them to do. Let's be sure that when we ask and we receive, we give him the honor and glory and praise. And it doesn't have to go out. We don't have to go out spreading all about, well, look what God's done for me. Look what Jesus has done for me. If it's necessary for us to make a testimony in those things, He will show us. But we don't have to just go spread these things abroad. Believe that I do you believe, believe ye that I am able to do this. Today, do you believe that Jesus Christ is able to save you from your sins? Do you believe that He has power to give to you that you can overcome your sins? Do you have faith? Now, will you use that power to overcome them? Will your works show the power that you have to use? According to your faith, be it unto you today. According to your faith. Let the power of God work in you. Do you want a full measure of it? Have full faith. Just as the people that we read about, they had faith. They followed. And we can go on and you can read about all manner of other people that has had that proper faith here in this life and how they have overcome by having faith that the power of God can work in me and I can overcome. Remember these things. Read, hear, listen to them and see what wonderful works that He has done. Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's the words that Jesus Christ said. He will do it in each and every one of us if we'll submit to Him. <clears throat> we will sing today number 42. Let Him in. Number 42. Let Him in. It's a good thing to think about.
about that song. Let him in. Let him into our heart. Let him in. Is our heart right with God? It will be if we let Jesus Christ into our heart. The very first verse says there says, there's a stranger at the door. I don't want him to be a stranger. He was at one time. But let's don't let him be that stranger. Now admit the heavenly guest. Now admit him into your heart. Let him in. He will make for you a feast, a spiritual feast. 
He will speak your sins forgiven. He will take you home to heaven. Let him in. Let's pray. To God the Father, we thank you for the words that you've given to us today. And we want to just thank you and be at one with you. God, we ask you to increase our faith and fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with spiritual wisdom and knowledge so that we are able then to encourage others. And we ask you that if there's anyone that is under the sound of my voice today that is struggling spiritually to show us how we can help them, to show us how we can encourage them. And we just beg for guidance that your will be done in us. Forgive us our sins, God, and help us all to be at one with your Son, Jesus Christ. And if we are at one with him, we will be at one with your people here upon the earth. Show us how we can all be together with no division. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.